Welcome to Your Thought Life Podcast. I am your host, Michael Anderson. I am professionally trained in cognitive behavior therapy and neuro-linguistic program. I thoroughly enjoy helping people overcome mindset challenges. If you haven't already, do subscribe and follow the podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes that are released on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if you're on a platform that supports it, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. It will help us tremendously to reach other people seeking this type of content. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. Programming the mind of a child is our topic for today. Since the inception of the podcast, December 31, 2022, we are now serving and have active listeners in 172 countries and territories. 3,331 cities, and you are aware that we have well over now 100,000 downloads in under 11 months. Just a tremendous amount of outreach that this podcast has created, and I get very cool messages from many of the listeners in a variety of different formats, and I'm so thankful for each of you, your contribution to the show. I wanted to select this topic for today because many parents have entrusted me to speak into the lives and minds of their children. And I count that as a tremendous opportunity. And I want to be absolutely certain that I can provide value for those parents and come alongside them in a very helpful way. And thus our topic for today, programming the mind of a child. If you've listened to the show for any duration, say greater than four or five months, you will know that I had a very rocky upbringing where my father wasn't allowed to be present. Most of the people who were influential in my life were drug addicts. I lived in a very impoverished community. Everything around me was some form of poverty and or scarcity. There were no positive role models. There were drugs. There was crime. There were gangs. All of the programming that one would not want to have for those impressionable years, birth through age seven, that is exactly what I received. And as a result of that, I'm able to help people who still harbor scenarios from being in that type of environment that are holding them back. The opposite of what I experienced has been thoroughly documented by the Jesuits. And they said, give me a child until he is seven and I will show you the man or woman. And this is quoted from Aristotle. We know as an absolute fact that birth through age seven is this incredibly impressionable period because we have no morals or values, moral compass, ability to decipher right from wrong, good from bad, evil, etc., We have to have a mechanism to gain a baseline for what life means, for what life will be like, for how we are to interpret life as a youngster. And again, this takes place from birth to age seven. There's just a constant record. Everything that the subconscious is brought in contact with in a repetitive format, it just assumes that because they've heard it so many times, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what gets recorded And that becomes our de facto load, our foundation, and we start to build life and how we see life and do life and the patterns that attach to us 
that create our self-image are all founded from these very impressionable years. Going back to the Jesuits, what they did is they found that over 400 years of give me the child until he is seven and I will show you the man or woman, they have created a very nice outline for us. This particular outline is accepted in various scientific circles as being both needed and useful for the programming of a young child's mind. Now, let me say this before we get into these pillars. If the child is already above seven and they've had an upbringing like mine, then you're going to have to trace back with them some of the things that you have become aware of that you may have unintentionally exposed them to that created programs, mindsets, feelings, experiences that aren't serving them. You'll have to help them trace that back and you'll have to help them undo that by reframing that. And that's going to be blatant honesty, something along the lines of mommy or daddy didn't have the same understanding that they have right now about life. And as a result of that, some things that you saw or experienced you should not have. And I want to release you from each of those circumstances. And you're going to define what they are as verbose as possible. You're going to apologize profusely and help them understand how sorry you are that they were exposed to all of those things. You're going to give them the opportunity and the freedom to express to you anytime those things come up and you're going to be a willing vessel to sit down and listen to them as often as need be until they release from it. This homework that you have as you hear this is you need to help them reframe this. The reframing process is going to give them the deliverance or the freedom that they need to separate themselves from what they saw long term so it doesn't follow them into adulthood, okay? Now let's talk about the pillars because these pillars are tried and true and we find them in various psychological circles with an abundance of research to support them. Number one is developing the whole person. This is taking a holistic approach. What that really breaks down to is we're not just going to focus on intellectual development. That is, of course, important. But we're also going to work on nurturing the aspects of this particular child by certainly addressing intellect. But we also want to incorporate imagination, encouraging them to be expressive and encouraging them to be creative helping them establish the ability to think beyond just what they see or the circumstances that they find themselves a part of. We want to help them with their emotional development. And we do this by showing them through our own behavior. Most of what children receive is caught rather than taught. So we want to model for them emotional intelligence. They need to see us in difficult situations, maintaining our cool, staying calm, cool, and collected, giving people a pass, letting go of things that could be hurtful, that could act as triggers for us, and instead remaining in control of our emotions and any type of frustration or anger. 
We should also be helping our children to cultivate strong moral and ethical compasses, guiding them into decision-making that is holistic, that's not just one-sided, you know, allowing them to share their opinion, even when we feel a strong sense to enter into parenting mode. I know as a kid, we, as kids were told, you don't speak unless you're spoken to. And that is one of the most difficult things to overcome as an adult. You sit around a boardroom or conference room or any sort of social gathering when there's to be some sort of public interaction and people are afraid to put their hand up. People are afraid to say something. People are afraid to express their opinions. In my own practice, when we trace that back, what we find is that was a childhood scenario where the parents said something very similar to what I just shared with you and that effective shut them down. Not just as a child, but it carried over as most of these negative programs do well into their adult life. If that's something that you've ever said, let's start to retract that and undo that even as early as tomorrow. Number two, personal attention. One of the cool things the Jesuits did is they were known for providing individualized attention to students and acknowledging each student's unique strengths and weaknesses. When I was coming up, you know, it was one size fit all. Everybody in the class got the same set of instructions. There was no individualized attention. And in fact, when I got home, because there was nobody there to assist with the whole educational process, I was forced to just kind of figure it out. More often than not, I wasn't able to figure it out. So I didn't perform very well early on until I learned various methods with which an individual can learn content. That is what we need to expose our children to, various ways to learn. Some people are audible learners. Some people are visual learners. Some people learn best by doing with their hands. We need to expose our children to all of these techniques to see which one gravitates, then tailor whatever educational experience we want for them to that which helps them. Documenting for them, helping them understand, little Johnny, you're really good at this. Allow them to hear that being said frequently, not just when they bring home the good report card. But at the same time, share the weaknesses very, very carefully. Use yourself in those examples. Take the edge off of it and never say something like, Oh, you stink at this, Johnny. Never, ever, ever say that. That's such an emotional quotient that goes with that, that it automatically gets written to the subconscious without repetition even being necessary. So try to steer clear of that one. Personalize the approach for your child that they have the opportunity to learn as much as possible with the best vehicle that works for them. And in this same arena of personal attention, we also want to help them understand their mind, what they're thinking about and why. We want them to understand awareness of not only their surroundings, but awareness within that says, hey, start thinking about why you feel angry when you feel angry. Start thinking about and looking inside to understand why it is that Sarah made you feel the way you felt. It's the awareness piece that we are all 
are absent. We're never taught these things under most circumstances. We bring that into adult life, this unawareness that we need to be aware of what we're doing and why. We know that our subconscious is controlling that. So our aim is to begin teaching self-awareness early in their lives. That does call for us having some degree of accountability and sharing that with them. If it's possible, if you don't feel like this is a good area for you, then partner with somebody who knows how to do this. There's so many programs that specialize in mindfulness for kids, meditation for kids. Through meditation and mindfulness, that's your gateway into teaching them awareness. Number three is critical thinking and problem solving. These are really cool skills, but unfortunately, I didn't learn these until I went to the armed services. There was a great deal of rigor in the army that they shared with us around this very idea of staying calm, cool, and collected and thinking about things clearly while under a tremendous amount of pressure. And we want to teach these skills as early as possible. Well, how do you do that? Encourage the child to ask questions and to analyze things, to find out how this works, or they can even do things like debate. These are wonderful opportunities to expand and to grow their ability to be critical thinkers and problem solvers. This approach helps them to develop the ability to think independently, evaluate information, and then turn around and make an informed decision. This is precisely what we want for our children. Number four is engagement with the world. This is really about exposing them to more than just the surroundings that they're typically a part of. This means helping them engage in social events, community service, things that are going on such as sports, perhaps some other um, athletic venues where they can meet new children, where they can be taught a skill by someone else, where they can be exposed to other cultures and see beyond just what they're exposed to on any given day. Another fantastic option is to encourage them to learn a different language. There used to be, when I was growing up, exchange programs where they could go to a whole other country and live with another family for four to six months. People came back from those just radically different, but for the better. And then instill in them a sense of responsibility. And this is really important. Helping them understand that the circumstances that they want for their lives are going to be predicated on them taking the actions necessary to do what it is that needs to be done for them to reach that goal. Sometimes we've got to remove our hand for a little bit and allow them to take some steps on their own, controlled steps albeit, and then be there to catch them if they're going to fall. But again, it's necessary for them as early as possible to begin being exposed to responsibilities, accountability, and them understanding that they're going to have to have self-discipline. And that's going to be a lifetime commitment. Our last pillar is helping them to become more well-rounded. We can do this through 
a foreign language, helping them to learn a new language. This is really, really helpful for developing various regions of the mind. They say that when you learn a new language, it creates a whole separate part within the mind for all of that content to be stored. So that's net new neurological networks that are being built specifically to contain all of the grammar, the vocabulary for the new language. Help them become life learners as young as they can be to really become students of science. Expose them to physical education, physical fitness. Expose them to character development. And then help them to foster diverse skills in a variety of different arenas. The more variety that they receive, the more well-rounded they will become. And what we want to do is we want to nurture how does this work? How does that work? How did this come into being? Who created it? How are creations made? All of these things come together to create a young person who's ready to take on the challenges that await him or her as an adult. What didn't I say that I probably should have said during the course of this talk? I should have said also that this is going to require an above-average commitment to parents. You're going to have to spend quality time, significant quality time, devoted to this particular process. It's not going to be just the education system, even if you're buying them a phenomenal private school scenario. It's going to be more than that. There's going to be investments that you have to pour into them as well. If, in fact, there was some issues early on, like mine, we got to jump on those ASAP so they don't bring those into their adult life. We want to help them have a positive mental mindset. We want to help them celebrate their wins so that they grow up knowing that whatever they put their minds and their hearts to, they can achieve. We want them to know that they're not paid as a result of the amount of time that they spend on a job. So there's no exchange for money for time. It's a value proposition. People are paid, predicated on the amount of value that they provide in the marketplace. And finally, they should know that they are enough and they can do it and that they are uniquely equipped to realize their goals. And they've been given everything that they need to be successful in this journey. Anytime I talk about this subject with parents, it's always an eye-opening moment. And I am encouraged that there was something here for you parents I don't take lightly and I appreciate the opportunity to speak into their lives and I want to remind you parents and future parents that you are enough you can do it and that you are uniquely equipped to realize your goals as well and until next time take care and be safe